Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. The year is 1980. Sydney's streets are filthy, running rampant with crime and corruption. Puberty blues is onto the cinemas, ice houses blaring on the stereo, it's humid and dangerous and a young man has decided to join the police force to fight crime. That man, of course, is my dad. Loose Units, the podcast, was created to tell the cases that wouldn't fit into my first book, Loose Units. But Loose Units was a series of fantastical tales that I wrote based on the real crimes my dad solved on the force back in the early 80s. So this season, Dad and I are finally going to go back, back, back to the year 1980, and each week we'll be going chapter by chapter through Loose Units, the book, and Dad will tell us the story behind my version of events. It'll be thrilling, revelatory, and as always, very, very loose. Welcome to Loose Units Origins. Hello and welcome to Loose Units Origins, the weekly true crime podcast where a father and son get down to it. So Dad, this week's chapter is very exciting for me because when I was growing up, and we're going to have to go very broad here, but when I was growing up, around the house, around the apartment, wherever we were, there were just old bottles everywhere. Now, I'm sure this might seem fairly kind of dull uh, to the casual listener, but you were an antique dealer uh, through the years. But the thing that you always kind of had around were these like very, very old glass bottles. And you assured me throughout the years that they were very important and very exciting and that the obtaining of them was a lot more thrilling than I could possibly imagine. And it wasn't until many years later that you started to tell me how you got these damn things. Could you try and just like pitch to the listeners what it is about antique bottles that is so exciting and why they are valuable? When I I, I became so obsessed with bottles yeah. that at one stage I had more than 3,000 bottles. Are you serious? Now, yeah. Now, that's not to imply that I had a drinking problem um, <laughs> because that's a lot of bottles. Um, in fact, that reminds me of the story, Paul, of that lady in the house. Which lady in the house? That caused the entire suburb to shut down. Oh, the hoarder. That's in Electric Blue. Yeah, that's mm, a that's Electric a great Blue. Story. Yeah. Well, there, there's a reason to get out, <laughs> go and get the book, Paul. Oh, thanks. You're very I kind. Know it's, no, no, it's true. It's, uh, there's some awesome stuff in that book. But listen, um, well, then we can't really elaborate too much on that. No, we can't. So well, that's exciting in a way. Yeah. Not to elaborate. No, because that, that will pique people's interests. I hope so. And As in uh, P-I-Q-U-E. Absolutely. Oh, by the way, everyone, uh, uh, Electric Blue is on sale at Booktopia. So if you haven't got your copy and if you consider yourself a true Loose Units fan and you haven't got one, what are you doing yet? Gorgeous dummies. Grab a copy. Go to Booktopia. Grab Electric Blue like, yeah, but right you, now. D- don't just take it. Oh, just no, no. You it. need to like pay for it. That's the yeah, yes. Yeah, correct. Otherwise, 
you'll get arrested. Yeah, money is exchanged for goods and services. Anyway, Which could be a good experience for our listeners to get to experience the, the experience of being arrested. Sure, I and mean... Then, and then taking into custody, and then they get to the... When they're put in the cell, yeah. they can ask for their copy of the book. Right, and then read it while they're in prison. Hmm. Right, okay, well, I mean, it's a really... I mean, it's a I very am an ideas person. You are, and I mean, it might give you some ideas on how to escape, actually, so... Oh, yeah, good point. Yep, maybe you could bribe your way out with your copy of Electric Blue. Mm. Didn't mean for this to turn into an ad for Electric Blue. You could you could cut the cover off, which yeah. is slightly thicker, mm-hmm. and, and use it as a shim. Shimmy, and shimmy it between the locks. Shim, shim, shiri. <laughs> Anyway, Dad, for fuck's sake. Sorry, mate. No, that's fine. Bottles. So, if you... Okay, I'm, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get you to just barrel the audience and go, mm. this is why bottles are valuable and interesting okay. and worthy of your time. All right. So, my partner's in crime. Yes. Julian and... And what's his name? Uh, I keep thinking of their real names. Yeah, it's tricky. Well, let I me know. just... Uh, oh. Richie. Yeah. Okay. Richie. Oh, where Richie. on earth did you come up with Richie? Well, I need and again. I needed a fake name to cover this guy's name, mm. and so uh, a dear friend of mine, Richard McKenzie. I needed to. Um, I just went, "Hey, do you mind if I take Richie?" As and he's like, "Yeah, sure." So mm. Richie, that's who Richie is. Yeah. Okay. Well, <clears throat> my my good good dearest friends, um, Julian and no, Richie. We, we were just such great. I mean, we were we were th- as thick as thieves. Yes. I find it a bit weird using... It's so difficult for me to use. In fact, I I might just use Richie's real name because it's cool to do that, okay? Okay. So his real name's Dave. Right. Now, Dave was in the process of getting married and his wife was... While she was amazing and sweet and kind and lovely, she didn't quite get the diving thing, scuba diving. Right. And rightfully so, because we used to really push the envelope with uh, with scuba diving. What happened was a friend of Dave's up in Coffs Harbour, an elderly gentleman, was a serious bottle collector. And when he found out that we lived in Sydney, had access to scuba diving gear, he suggested that maybe we try a couple of wharves in Sydney. Now, to dive at a wharf in Sydney... I'm talking where all the major ferry wharves are. You have to wait for the ferries to shut down. And the very first dive the three of us did was well after midnight. And it was at Manly Wharf. This is not in the story, Paul. But this is the genesis of the preceding stories that you write about in the book. Okay. And so it was wintertime... It was so cold. Just quickly, no, just quickly. I mean, let's pause it there. Why would you want to scuba dive for bottles? Because there's money in bottles. And why is there money in bottles? Because some of them are unbelievably rare. And why are and they? Why are they where they are? Oh, okay. Yeah. But Paul, mm. this is so weird. In that the most valuable bottles in Australia, yeah, are bottles made by convicts. So, Paul, the reason that these bottles are among the most valuable bottles in the world... Now, people are thinking to themselves, oh, okay, um, you know, what does John really mean by valuable? Okay, I will give an example. There have been convict ginger beer bottles because ginger beer was very popular in the early days of first settlement. I mean, think about arriving in Sydney at Farm Cove. Yeah 
which was the only source, or a very, very good source, of fresh water. And there was a beautiful river, the Tank Stream, that came down from sort of the, the, the high points in Sydney, came down all the way to Circular Quay. Uh-huh. And for listeners that don't know where that is, you've got the Sydney Opera House on one side and the Harbour Bridge on the other. And it's where all the major ferries come in and have done so for well over 100 years. Sure. So these convicts in the early days, well, firstly, they had to, to have a, a source of clay to make these uh they were called spruce or ginger beer bottles. But occasionally, the the actual convict potter would put his name, he'd scratch his name or stamp his name into the bottle. These bottles have traded hands for well in excess of $50,000. Individual Jeez bottles. Christ. Now, okay. that, and, 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 you know, that's serious money. And it wouldn't, I would not be surprised if some of them have traded hands for around about $100,000 mm-hmm. per bottle. That's how incredibly rare. They're an amazing sort of step back into our early colonial convict history. And some of these early bottles have actually got the convict's fingerprints in them. Holy you can shit. See, you can see in minute detail their fingerprints as so, they... Yeah. Is that like... Okay, so you know in um, Jurassic Park where they have a mosquito trapped in amber and from that they extract the DNA and they create a, an amusement park... Full of, mm. full of dinosaurs. Mm. Could you then... Is it possible that convict DNA is trapped in the glass? Well, maybe we could create a... Like a jail full of convicts. Seems cruel. That'd, that'd freak them out, though. Coming. Well, I mean, society would be deeply anachronistic to them. You'd have these kind of... Like a, like a Welshman in rags screaming and wandering into an iPhone shop. Mm. Paul, cross, crossing himself Paul, frantically. Paul, yeah. you're very, very sweet. But if you did recreate... Yeah. Through through DNA, <laughs> yes. a convict. They yeah. don't all also come with the clothing of the period. Oh right, they, so, would, they would be naked. Oh, so and, a na- and, okay. You know, it's a naked convict running, screaming through yeah. a mall. Right. Yeah. Okay. So and this this has gone very weird, very fast. What we're trying to say is that these bottles were extremely valuable. Na- like now, they're very valuable hugely now. valuable. Huge. Back, I mean, back then, well, they they were just. They were trash, so people okay. would w- walk yeah. along and yeah, they'd have picnics. Um, not a, not a modern not a modern concept. They'd have picnics and gatherings. Mm-hmm. The people that had bought the bottles, yes. and then they would they would consume the 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 ingredients, the <laughs> contents. Okay, no, I've never heard someone <laughs> describe drinking so mechanically. No, but then they would throw. Yep. Occasionally, they would throw the bottle for fun. Mm-hmm. Can you imagine a family? They've just had some, you know, some uh, pop. Some, refreshments and then uh maybe as a matter of sort of male prowess they might like to see who can throw the bottle the furthest yeah into the harbor uh-huh and um you sound like an anthropologist but yes they throw the bottle and, um and the male what? of the species uh displays its plumage uh in paul, a dis- paul. Yeah. what happens is occasionally mm-hmm. so imagine the bottle it hits the water yep it it, it would sort of sink down and then pop back up And then some of them would sink out, say, 20, 30 metres out from the shoreline. Mm -hmm. But some of them would then come float back in and then sink. Now, over time, and we're talking over 100 years, Mm -hmm. eventually, through tidal movement and sediment, the bottles become... they, They just sink down to a certain point. Like into the sediment, yeah. Into the sediment. And then 
so so what happened was we dived at Manly Wharf. Now, if you watch a ferry come in, how does the ferry stop itself? Uh, it has to basically turn on big old propellers and then kind of... Brilliant. Yeah, yeah it, okay. It basically goes into reverse. Yeah, yeah. And the, the current and the turbulence created by the reversal or reverse thrust of the propellers yeah. churns up the bottom radically. So, we had the idea to dive at Manly Wharf one night. It was about one in the morning, midwinter. We donned all our, our, our gear mm-hmm. and we walked in off the, uh, the shore, swam out. It's the first time we'd ever, ever done this and we're swimming out and then all of a sudden it was like coming to a massive swimming pool on the bottom of the of the of the harbour floor. Now I'm using that analogy to say that you you're just sort of swimming along, yep. then all of a sudden it drops down into the most almighty furrow. Oh god, that's so scary. Is it dark down there? Well if you turn your torches off, yep. it's pitch black. Oh ugh, okay. and and you get mega, mega fish coming in. It's right. it's 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 a sanctuary of beauty. Yeah. And it's kind of like going to a uh, a marine land, but not paying. It's free. Yeah, but at a marine land, typically speaking, you don't have giant propellers whipping around that can take your bloody head off. True, and also you're not wet. Well, not, I mean, if you if you were brave <laughs> enough, <laughs> you know. Oh well, actually, we we did that as well. We did swim with sharks on a few occasions, but that's that's for another story. You've not told me that, but please continue. Mm. Well, I've I've swum with sharks in the wild and in in aquariums um i've actually fed sharks yeah which is uh pretty exciting so now what happens is i mean you know manly's a a, a place in australia that has a rich history mm. and um the term manly uh, the story goes that captain arthur philip was so impressed with the manliness manlinessness the manly <laughs> fuck Wait, you're saying you know, Manly is named because um, Arthur Philip thought it was a very manly place, and so he called no, it Manly. No, he no, he saw yeah. some Aboriginal men and thought they were very manly. That's not true. It is. That's Paul. That's that's as I have uh, come to know that particular story. That's not true. Mm, Why I'm is quite... Manly called Manly? Hey, here we go. Manly was the- oh god damn it. <laughs> I <laughs> I thought on, that was Paul. one of your bullshit kind of like Paul. I don't bullshit. I'll cut you, please. It's part Just of read your br- it. Read it to the listeners. Manly was named by. Hang on, this is from Wikipedia. Uh, I don't know. I guess it's true. Oh, he noted the confidence and manly behaviour made me give the name Manly Cove to this place. It's not lovely. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I mean, what followed after that compliment was not ideal. Anyway, we're getting way off topic. So, Manly. So people used to um, regularly go there. Look, originally to get to Manly was a three-day trip via Parramatta, but then they introduced the ferry. Yeah, okay. And people would party on the beaches, and they'd throw their, uh, you know, their, their discarded sort of containers, which were made of pottery, might I add. Mm. And here's a little fun fact for everyone: in Sydney, in the summers, back in the early days, 
you would also get very large stone containers called demijohns. And on a hot day, you'd simply have them sitting in the harbour to keep them cool because you had no refrigeration. You didn't have eskies. And that was sort of a bit of lateral thinking by and our uh, predecessors. A and a demijohn is basically... Oh, yeah. Okay, so a demijohn is a... Very a large container. Ceramic, yes. Of quite ornate. And so now there's beautiful glass, like hand-blown glass containers made by convicts mm. with fingerprints and pressings and whatnot piffed mm. into the bay, left there for hundreds of years, accruing mm. insane amounts of monetary value, and the yep. same with the big ceramic ones. And you and your ne'er-do-well friends are diving into the bay to get these things. Now, a lot of this is taking place when you are a police officer. Is Correct. what you're doing illegal? Technically, no, not that particular aspect. Mm -hmm. But we proudly brought our booty Ooh. back to shore. Right. And we were so excited that... But we didn't know what we had. Okay. And then Dave sent photos to this fairly famous bottle collector in Coffs Harbour. Yeah. That, word has it, loved his bottles more than his family, which is a whole sort of separate issue. Sure. With people that become collectors because they actually completely often lose the plot. And then what happens, the family, to get their revenge, they then, when that person dies, they then just give away all the treasures or they smash them, put them in the recycling bin. They don't care about the value. And there was that famous story about a mad collector on the northern beaches that loved his Mercedes, Gullwing, from 1957, more mm. than the wife. Right. When he died, the wife sold the Gullwing Mercedes for, I think it was $30 in the Manly Daily. It's a million-dollar motor car. She gave it away, which is the biggest FU to her deceased partner who's, well, he's dead. But isn't that a sort of a very interesting... And that, that often happens, where people just go, you know what? He loved this stuff way more than he loved us, so what's the ultimate FU? Yeah. And that's happened to me in my antique business. I've been called into many estates where they've literally just given stuff away. Okay. Which is a whole, yeah, which is fascinating. Well, what happened was, as time went by, we, we literally became terribly obsessed right. with scuba diving for bottles. It became so sort of bizarre that I decided to convert our garage. So we parked the car on the street. I put in masses of shelving and I carpeted the garage floor and we had bean bags. And we used to have, we'd, we'd go diving at all hours of the night. We'd get home invariably one, two in the morning. Then we would then start to go through our, what we'd picked up that night. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. 
With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. So sometimes we'd be sitting in the garage and it became a almost like a kind of a men's cave, I suppose you could say. But, but my two colleagues, my two police officer friends, they, over time, their interest waned, but I kept going and I ended up going in bottle competitions and I actually won the nationals with my convict ginger beer collection so I I, and I used to travel I used to buy myself I'd go all over Australia it was very very exciting but back to the story we because we were both all of us were in the police force we had opportunities and I say we kind of stretched the the bounds of you know the law slightly or or incredibly sort of severely and then we came up with some pretty clever ideas we used the hypothesis about wharves and we thought circular keys are really really busy wharf right it's it's the genesis of the the sort of the foundation of of the of sort of white settlement in this country so we figured that this could be the most bountiful place for convict ginger beers etc okay because like more people would be around there throwing more bottles in and it's that's right okay Yep. And it's the earliest known place. So yep. we just figured, because we used to go, I used to go to the State Library and do a lot of research mm. on old wharves and look, mate, there are so many encounters we've had with, and we've had some, we've done some terribly, terribly dangerous and almost foolhardy and stupid and dangerous diving, like yep. really scary. And yep. on this particular night, and it was like a party in sort of the rocks is a sort of a high powered, they've got a lot of pubs, the nightlife's just pumping you know, back in the 1980s and we've sort of pulled up and got out of the car and people are sort of looking at us thinking, because they're all coming out of pubs, it's, they're all sort of intoxicated and all of a sudden these three guys get out of this um, Toyota Corolla, basically shitbox. Off-duty cops, mind you. Off-duty police. And we kind of just sort of almost had impunity, which just kind of sounds a little bit, you know, I'm slightly embarrassed to say that. But we knew that if we could get into the harbour some some way. And the only way you could do it was to use what are called the Commissioner's Steps. That's where sort of regal, uh, like the Governor-General, the Queen, that's where the, the Queen would come in in her little boat and she'd sort of step up 
onto these stairs and then walk up and sort of meet the public. And But at night time, it was very quiet in that particular area. And through the cover of darkness, once you walk down these stairs, got our gear on, we could just jump into the actual harbour, which was pitch black. All the ferries have shut down, so it's one in the morning. It's a known shark habitat. That's a fact. But occasionally when we would go there, there would be ocean liners berthed at the International Shipping Terminal. Mm. And one night, the Queen Elizabeth... The, the QE2? QE2. Yeah. QE2. Yeah. It would regularly such... stop. It would stop there quite a bit. Yeah. Correct. That's right. It's but very, it's very it's massive. Yeah. No, it's just, it's gargantuan. And we, one night, had this amazing sort of desire. And it was such an exciting, dare I say it, surreal experience. Now, this must have been from memory. I th- I'm quite sure it was summer. You know, at one in the morning, it was very still and we swam over to the QE2. We had our buoyancy compensator, so we were sort of floating on the surface and we'd flip on our backs and just back fin, just fin really, really slowly because we had to be really quiet as well because there are people on the ship. You know, there are people around and we needed to be really, really sort of careful. And we made our way to the back of the ship yeah. and then we just... Um, <laughs> released all the air out of our buoyancy compensators we sank to the very bottom and it how was did, very it was crystal clear not 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 super deep okay i would say um now this is just sort of from memory maybe 40 feet deep which is not super deep but it was crystal clear and this and it was just a sandy bottom and it was kind of it was a little bit like being out in your favourite beach going out past the breakers and then mm. just going down to the sandy bottom and it's 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 sandy it's it's clean uh but the thing was that we were confronted with the the underside the hull mm. of the QE2 and we were just sort of wide-eyed and incredibly excited but the tide at the time meant that the bottom of the ship was not that sort of far off the bottom of the harbour. And, I mean, they're working within fairly sort of close tolerances. And we then made our way to the... We followed the the hull underneath and then we made our way to the propellers, which were... They they were gargantuan. They were like small houses in, 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 in size. And we sat on the on the blades on the propellers <clears throat> which was so exciting paul to just the three of us be perched on these massive propellers and we knew it was relatively safe because if they're going to start the propellers which they wouldn't anyway at that time but you'd get such an incredible notice in terms of you'd hear lots and lots of things i mean they don't just turn a button and flip the pro- like the propellers just don't start up mm. um, uh, you know there's a lot of things that happen prior to them actually engaging them so that 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 was relatively safe at least we thought but that was that was pretty exciting but then in in the book paul you've sort of amalgamated that story with the story of a a, of dave getting caught in the prop wash but that happened and dave had just got engaged and it was 
a different wharf. It was in Balmain, the bottom of Darling Street. Yep. And it was so cold that particular night that we used to bring, um, we'd bring a thermos with boiling water. We would actually pour boiling water into our wetsuits prior to going in the water. And that was the night the three of us went down, out into the harbour, mm-hmm. and it's a shipping channel. Now, there are certain ships that use that channel, but generally not at one in the morning. And the types of ships that would use it are, like, back then they, they were ships that had coal on them, like mm-hmm. big coal loaders. And I remember I had bought a brand new knife and I saw a blue swimmer crab and I thought a blue swimmer crab would be a real treat to bring home for Christine. So I took this brand new knife that I had strapped to my leg and I took it out and I stabbed the blue swimmer crab and the crab just took off and they walked sideways and it took off with my brand new knife. And that's the last I ever saw. Oh, my God, a crab with a knife. Yeah, but this, this crab just vanished into the, into the darkness. I mean, that's dangerous because now the crab's got a means of killing people. Mm. Right? Yep. I mean, you, try, you try and catch that. Imagine catch it fishing up a crab and it's got a fucking knife. You're, no, but that, that's plausible. Politely, you politely unhook it, apologize, and watch it just retreat beneath the surface of the water. Well, I don't think I damaged the crab in any way except yeah. piercing its shell. Right, okay. But I'm, I'm kind of thinking perhaps it didn't pass away. But that same night, the three of us were looking for bottles mm-hmm. and I remember hearing this, this noise getting closer and closer and we were a fair way out off the wharf. One in the morning, we're probably in about maybe 40 feet of water known shark place like sharks are everywhere in Sydney Harbour mm. the the deadly bull shark and this noise was getting so loud that I began to literally I, I, I began to have this sense of foreboding right. and then the there was this current like the, 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 the water started to move and it started to sort of twist and turn and then I began to think, shit, this is really, really, really bad. There's about there's a ship above us that's going to basically travel over us and I began to think about getting caught in the prop wash and there was this huge log, like a submerged tree and I remember holding on for grim death as, this, as the water just sort of... And, and you couldn't see anything. There was a swirling and... You know, all the sediment and the silts just twisting and turning and then the, the noise. And then it started to die down a little bit. And then Julian and I started to fin really, really quickly towards the shore. Now, you know where the shore is because there's a slight... You just follow the incline and we're finning in and we, we get to shore. And then we crawled up this, this ladder on this wharf and we realized that, um, that Dave was... He was gone. And uh, we we get out of the water, yeah. And oh, and he's ju- he's just and this is you may have lost the guy before just before he's gotten married, right? Correct. And um, and Julian and I were were discussing. We were really, really just so traumatized, and and we were shitting ourselves because we understood that his wife to be had never really been super keen on the idea of him coming diving. Yeah. Um, and then we actually began to talk 
um, and prepare um, ourselves for that the phone call to call her to say that um, that David um, he'd, he'd gone vanished it's and we thought he'd been chopped up right by the propeller yeah and if he had been chopped up by the propeller well you can imagine the fish would have had a wonderful time including possibly that crab with a knife in it there would have been a big party <laughs> and that's that's genuinely what we thought yeah we genuinely thought we'd lost our our dear friend and we felt terribly um terribly uh to blame because we i mean you were well yeah kind of yeah but um you know we didn't force dave to to come diving with us no, but no. Th- these things happen and um and then all of a sudden dave just popped up and he told us his version which was similar to ours but he had waited a lot longer than us he um he he was very and still is in a nice way dave if you're listening risk averse which is a, a that's cool that's a great quality that's, yeah. that's a great quality a, a quality that i i don't have i'm i'm the opposite i chase risk i love it so i mean i did lots of dives listeners i may or may not have told you this but i used to dive without any gauges on my tank um remember the tank pole that i ended up selling to the international heroin dealer uh how could i forget yeah so that's the same tank now i i I used to dive but here's the terrible thing and people are going to go actually john you've you're actually irresponsible and yes i'll I'll cop that, mm-hmm. but I used to do night diving in Sydney Harbour by myself with no gauges. Crazy. That's how obsessed I became. Yeah. That's why I ended up with 3,000 bottles. I didn't actually realise you kind of refurbished the garage. A little while back, Tegan and I moved into our first place. It's, a, it's an apartment. It's great. And one of the places we looked at had a garage, and the apartment was quite small. And I said to Tegan, look, I have a lot of cool stuff, and I'm probably going to keep getting cool stuff. And I actually, for a flicker of a moment, suggested to her that we could just park on the street and maybe put some shelving in the garage and put like my cabinets of all my stuff around the garage. And Mm. only now am I realizing why? I think maybe subliminally I kind of tapped into that, Mm. you know? Mm. Oh, look, this, this, this was a meeting place. And look, I ended up going to the state library and I, and I did a lot of research. We did a lot of research on where old wharves were. And yeah. we found some wharves up rivers and we used to dive at night time up rivers where that were known shark breeding grounds. Like we're talking absolutely insane. Yeah. Julian and I once dived in the Parramatta River and zero visibility, feel only. Known place. There have been shark attacks where we used to dive. Okay, but yeah. you, you become so kind of it's like chasing it's like chasing the holy grail. It's like I guess it's like gold mining. You are continually dreaming about and in search of that the elusive that beautiful vein of gold. And look, I had some extraordinary experiences, and I did it for many, many, many years. I I I, I died for bottles, and and Julian and Dave eventually completely gave the whole thing away and i kept going right and to this day i still appreciate and love old bottles and old things 
And that's kind of part of the reason why you're into antiques is because of this Correct. thing that you used to do in your 20s with your mm. two cop buddies off duty. So mm. it all ties in. And with the antique stuff in turn led to the picture hanging stuff, which you talked about last week on Loose Ends. It's all one glorious cycle. So it all it all fits. Now, I think that that's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units. Is there anything else you want to say before we, um, we bid farewell? Well, I'm beyond excited about Melbourne. Yeah. The that that is going to be a cracker for the night. If you live in Melbourne and you haven't got your tickets, you big dummies, uh head along to melbournepodcastfestival.com, get your tickets because we want to see you there. Um obviously these live shows are a huge deal, but they're also rare as hen's teeth. Like we have not done a live show in a year and a half. So I'm truly thrilled and excited to get back on stage with you dad. So yeah, mm. make sure you get your tickets. There's a few left, so we want to kind of we want to sell this out. We want to make this a big night. And we will be signing copies of Electric Blue afterwards. And you'll be mm. able to come along and grab a copy. And we'll be taking photos and, you know, shaking hands, kissing babies, all that stuff. So, mm. yeah. Um, Paul, you said rare as hen's teeth, didn't you? Mm. Do, do hens have teeth? That's why they're rare. No, but you don't think they do? I don't think they do. Mm. Do they? Has a, has, a, has a hen ever sucked your finger? Because if it did... How had you'd know? <laughs> That's all the time we have for this week's episode of Loose Units. Sorry things got weird, and we'll see you on Friday for some loose ends. Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff: shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.